Amen? So how do we go from fighting with each other to fighting for each other? You know what's funny about conflict is conflict always brings out what's on the inside of you. I say you don't know somebody until you've made them mad. I love newlyweds. Because they're like, oh, this is perfect. We got everything worked out. When we get to be 25, we're going to have our first kid. And we're going to live in this house. And uh, we have all this money and all these things. And I just sit there and go, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. May the Lord bless you. Oh, yeah, y'all going to do wonderful. Whole time going, (laughs) you'll be back in my office. (laughs) A little marriage counseling because it ain't perfect. And it's definitely not peaches and cream. Right? There's, There's a reality in marriage. And the reality is, is that God brought two broken people together to help one another, to bless one another, to build one another up. And that's what we're here for. And so conflict, when we get into conflict, here's the crazy thing about conflict is that what you didn't think was inside of you comes out. Right? Hey, you got to shake your head or else I'm just going, I mean... When I fight with my wife, there's stuff that comes out of me that I don't like. When she fights with me, there's stuff that comes out of her that I don't like. But there's things that come out of us, right? Let somebody bump you. Let somebody make you mad. Let somebody do something wrong to you. And you'll know what's in your heart because of what comes out of you. The Bible talks about the dark corners of your heart and how we all need to deal with those dark corners in our heart. The great thing about marriage is that's the process that God uses to perfect you. If it wouldn't be for Cheryl, I would still be God's gift to women. What y'all laughing at? Y'all don't believe that? I, I would still be able to dress myself. If it wouldn't be for Cheryl, I would still be selfish and self-centered and righteous in my own eyes and perfect in every way if it, wasn't be, if it wouldn't be for Cheryl. Now, I don't have time to tell you what it would be if she didn't have me, but you know, that's right, baby, that's right. But conflicts bring out something that's inside of you. And here's the good thing about conflict is that when that comes out of you, that's God's gracious way of saying, hey, that's what you need to work on. When anger comes out and you go, oh, I didn't want to let that out. I've been hiding that for a long time. God, man, I let it out. Good. That junk needed to come out. Bring it out there. Put it out in the open. Let everybody see it. That way you can work on it. You can't hide it anymore. See, marriage keeps you from hiding. (laughs) Uh, It keeps you from hiding. Marriage reveals and conflict reveals that we all need a savior. Don't run from conflict. Don't run from fights. Don't run from disagreements. Don't run from those things. Some of you here this morning are in the, in the, the habit of running from conflict. And I'm going to say it like this. I'm going I'm to come at you men pretty hard this morning. Some of you men won't correct your wife because you're scared of the results you're going to get. You're scared of the conflict. So she's over there acting like a pain in the, and, and you don't want to correct it because you're afraid of the conflict. <laughs> and some of you women are afraid to say something because you don't want to ruffle his feathers. So what happens is, is you sit back with your mouth shut too much, because we're going to get to the other side of that. You sit back with your mouth shut too much, and you let all this stuff start to build up inside of you, and you think you're being good because you keep it inside, when all you're doing is creating a bigger bomb. My wife's a verbal processor. She throws out firecrackers all the time. I'm an internal processor. I develop atomic bombs down deep inside of me. And man, when they come out, they do some destruction, right? 
And so some of you men this morning, you need to rise up and husband your wife. I'll testify. That's the hardest thing on the planet for me. Is to husband my wife. Not that she's that hard headed. It's just that I don't like conflict. It's the big bird theory. I come home to my nest and I want all the little twigs to be put in the right spot. And I want to come home and get soft in my nest and be comfortable. And everybody likes me. And I don't say nothing bad about you if you don't say nothing bad about me. Because I don't like fighting at home. I've been fighting at work all day. So I'm going to let that attitude pass. I'm going to let that negativity pass. Because I don't want to deal with it right now. When the whole time conflict is there to bring out what's inside of you. Cheryl and I have a marriage like we have because of the conflict that we've gone through. Because conflict gives you an opportunity to expose what's inside of you that you've been hiding. When you hide something, you get nowheres. When you bring it into the light, you can deal with it. Don't be afraid to let it come out. If your man's feet stink, tell him his feet stink. Say, bro, you got to do something with your feet. Don't just tell him, go buy him some powder. Right? <laughs> so this is what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to get you to, to focus on your spouse. He wants you to, he wants to take your spouse, the one that God joined together with you, and he wants to make them an enemy. Remember, the, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The number one thing the enemy is after today is marriage. Biblical marriage. He's after biblical marriage. So you know what that tells me? If that's what the enemy's after, then that must be super important. You remember the game Capture the Flag? What was important? The flag. What was the enemy coming after? Your flag. If the enemy's coming after your marriage, then that means that your marriage is something that's important. Right? It's important. It's vital. It's powerful. It preaches. It preaches the gospel. Because your marriage is a vivid picture of our relationship with Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's whether or not I can lay my life down like Christ did. And she could submit like he told her to. Are you with me? You know that's your favorite word, right? Submit. Yeah. Ours is lay down. Actually, it's lay your life down. You tell me later, I'm like, okay. So the devil wants you to believe that your enemy is your spouse. When your enemy is, is right there inside of you. The enemy lies within. It's called sin. It's called your sinful nature. By the way, you're not a slave to your sinful nature anymore if you've given your life to Christ. You got to know that. Because of what Christ did on the cross, the power of that sinful nature has been broken. In other words, you don't have that chain on you anymore. But that doesn't mean that you don't listen to the old sinful nature. And it doesn't mean that you don't go back and visit the jail every now and then. Right? We visit the sinful nature because we miss it. Because it satisfies the flesh. So the enemy is within you. It's your selfishness. It's your pride. It's your passions to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's all about me, 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 me. That's when we fight. Me and Cheryl don't fight when it's about each other. We fight when it's about me. And I'm not getting what I need. And she's not doing what she's supposed to do for me. All right? Sin will always demand for you to be the God of your life. You know, the junk that comes out of us is the stuff that, that God, it's just God's simple way of saying to us, these things in your life, you've not submitted to me. 
these areas in your life. Some of you have been fighting over the same junk for 10 years. The same fight for 10 years. And your pastor's going, dang. Because he's been giving the same counsel for 10 years. The man's supposed to lay down his life. The woman's supposed to submit. Until you start doing that, nobody's going to change. It'll never get better. It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple. Right? And you've been fighting over the same thing. And what's happening is, is God is exposing your heart and you're not taking your part and going back into your closet and dealing with it. You're not going back into a quiet place with God and saying, Lord, this anger came out of me. I didn't even know it was in there. Lord, I cussed. Would you cleanse my tongue? Are you with me? Whatever's coming out of you is there for you to deal with it. Not just to sit back and say, okay. Well, you know, I slipped, but I'll get it right next time. I've been saying that for years. Watch what James 4 says. This. Watch this. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among us? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The problem, get this, the problem is you. We're going to do something this morning and nobody can hit each other. Now, when you got to preface that, you know, it's pretty bad. I want you to look at your spouse and I want you to say this. The problem is you. Ah, you've been waiting years to say that. Come on, somebody. Ah, ha, ha, you just got free. And those of you whose who's spouse isn't here, you're going, this is a good day for them to miss. <laughs> the problem is you. I've heard people say time and time again about their spouse when they're fussing and complaining about their spouse to me. They go, well, they, they, they're just not where I'm at. They're not growing like I'm growing. I'm at a different level. They're not there. They're not, they're not where I'm at. You know, if they would just get to where I'm at, then everything would be fine. Let me bust your bubble. You're both where you're at. Because the Bible brought two and put them together. And he said the two have become one. So one can't outrun the other. That's good preaching right there. Now, that's not an excuse for the one who's lagging behind, if that's the case, to keep lagging behind. And it's also not an excuse for the one who's up in front to stay prideful. Are you with me? The two have become one. So your spiritual maturity is where the two meet each other. You see, I can easily say, because I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor, that I'm here and Cheryl is there. Right? I could probably say that in a message and y'all would agree with me. Because I'm the pastor. I could say that. But that's not the truth. The truth is we are where we meet together. Is that making sense? Because the two are one. You with me this morning? The two are one. And anytime you start to think you're better than somebody else, you need to check yourself because you're already in sin. The Bible never said to compare yourselves to each other. It says, compare yourselves to my word. You want to compare yourself? Compare yourself to Jesus. Get you some of that. And then come back and talk some trash. Right? I'll bow down then. So your spouse is not your enemy. The sin inside of you is. Stop seeing the other person as the enemy. They're not the enemy. The the devil wants to bring division. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's after your marriage. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Anybody ever been a dirty fighter before? (laughs) See, I always faced dirty fighters. When I was younger, I used to fight, like literally fight. Guys would always get dirty with me because they had to equalize me. I was always bigger. Doug tells me all the time, I'll chop you down to your knees. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still, I'm still big on my knees, bro. But we get dirty, right? You see them McCann boys like Pastor Zach and Angela? Them boys are dirty. 
when we tussle around and we kind of just wrestle and stuff, they're dirty. I don't even play with them boys. They're just too dirty. They cheat. It's not a fair fight. But some of us, we fight that way in marriage. We fight dirty. We're out to kill one another and destroy one another. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Healthy couples fight for resolution, not for victory. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Somebody's preaching back to me this morning. Come on. So let me give you three rules for fighting fair. You ready for this? First, we're going to go. It comes out of the book of James chapter one. James one, verse 19 to 20. It says this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Man's anger cannot produce the righteousness of God. So rule number one, stop and listen carefully. Stop and listen carefully. If you catch yourself on fire, what does this, what does Smokey the Bear tell you to do? Stop, drop, and roll, right? If you're getting all fired up in your marriage, you need to stop and listen carefully, right? Some of you, that's easy because you don't say much as it is. But for others that talk all the time, you have a hard time with that. Proverbs 18.2 says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinions. A fool doesn't, does never, he never wants to gain understanding. He just constantly wants to give his opinion. Are you with me? That's what a fool does. A fool don't care if you get understanding. He just cares if he's right or wrong or if she's right or wrong. And so a lot of us fight that way. We fight to prove ourselves right. I'm right. I can't tell you how many times I've left the bedroom at midnight when we've done huffed and puffed and blew the house down. And I go storming up in my underwear to the room and I go and I lay on the floor and I say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I'm doing wrong, but you need to straighten that woman out. I'm serious. I pray that way. And every time I come back to the room with my tail tucked between my legs. Hey, baby. I'm sorry. You know why? Because God's not going to let me act like that. Because he's a good father. He knows it's more than just her. It's me too. It's inside me. But I go to him every time, fix that woman. You need to fix that woman. Lord, she's broken. She's jacked up. Fix her. I say all kind of crazy stuff to God. I don't know about you. I just like to be real with him. I mean, he knows how I'm feeling already. He knows the thoughts that are in my head. So why, why hide it? I'm mad. Stop and listen carefully. Cheryl and I are learning a lot of things in marriage right now. Seasons have changed in life, and, and with every change comes a different set of problems and a, a different set of obstacles you got to face and things you got to go through. Our kids are getting to be teenagers now. It's a whole different phase. I'm looking at my pastor, and he's, most of his teenagers are out the house, and I'm going, God, man, how'd you make it through that? And he's going, oh, bro, you ain't parented until you parented some teenagers. And I'm going, oh, God. So I got one of them that's starting to dry, so all these new things are coming up. We're not done. We're not. Are you with me? We're not done. But we're working on it. And as it comes, we're working on it. And I can tell you, we're getting better with confidence. We don't fight like we used to fight. And I'm not talking about how often. I'm talking about how we used to fight. I used to tell her who she used to be. I used to tear her down. I talk about her family. You acting like your daddy. You ain't just like your mama. Come on, we get vicious. That doesn't happen anymore. We try to find understanding. Honestly, we've learned, and it's, it's really just the simple things. It's not the major things. It's just the simple things. Learning how to communicate with one another. I'm a, I'm a very passionate guy. When I get busy doing something, I'm all in. I'm either all in or I'm all out. There's no between. 
So if, if I'm going to cut the grass, I'm cutting all the grass. You with me? I got a task in front of her, I'm going to do it. If she needs to talk and I'm cutting the grass, that's a difficulty. You with me? Because she has to get something off of her heart and I got to get something that's cut in the grass. I got to get something out the yard. These weeds, I got to get them out. You follow? So she's learning how to communicate. But she comes to me, she says, hey, listen, when you're done, yeah. we need to talk. So what's she doing? She's saying, okay, when you're done with the grass, I need to talk to you before you start doing something else. Yeah. Right? And so I'm learning. I ain't got this perfected yet because I'm like, okay, well, I can, I can finish cutting the grass and slip in something else before she needs to talk. I can, you know, I, I can stretch things out. I'm learning that when I'm done and I pick the mower up, I go, hey, what's up? And we can talk it out. Right? And we're learning to read each other better. I can I can tell by the way she walks in the house or the way she puts the dishes in the sink. I know what kind of mood she's in. If I'm not talking, she knows I'm upset. Right? If I walk in the house, walk past everybody and go sit in the easy chair, she goes, uh-oh. We're learning each other. And we're learning how to communicate. We're learning, I'm learning how to listen. I'm also learning how to express my heart because I'm an internal processor. I keep it in here. She's learning that she needs to give me a little bit of time to process. You see how this is working? She needs to go, okay, I'm going to tell him what's on my heart, but then I, I need to back off, right? Because the way it used to be is she would tell me what's on her heart, and then she'd stand there for an answer. I'm going, I felt all this pressure. And it would never get anywhere. Because I didn't have time to process. This is making sense. Okay. I didn't think that was that funny, but that's okay. You can laugh. We're learning how to listen and how to communicate. It's important. The devil's in the details, man. He wants to take the little things. You ever do this? You ever fight about something? And when you're done, you go, what the heck was that? I mean, like you storm out the house and you go your separate ways and you go sit on the swinging light. What are we fighting for? Or maybe you come back together and you go, hey, what are we fighting about? You see, you never listen. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't have enough time to process. <laughs> Some of you need to learn how to shut up. Some of you don't know when to stop. I remember my wife, I'm going to expose this a little bit this morning. Not too bad, baby. My wife was going through inner healing with Jennifer through that 16-week course of inner healing. And just let me warn you, when you get to the middle, if you ever do inner healing, when you get to the middle of it, just, just be extra defensive because there's always a fight at the middle. So it's, she's in the middle at about week eight or nine. And, and man, just stuff starts coming out. She's dealing with stuff in her heart and God's healing her and it's kind of messy and all this. And I, I'm an innocent bystander. And, and, and we get into this fight. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pushing. I'm pushing her buttons. I mean, it goes from the kitchen to the carport. And I'm like, you ain't going to do it. And she's and she goes, boom. She poked me in the, in the chest with her finger. She went, boom. And she went, ow, I broke my finger. She did. She broke it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was like, well, that's good for you. Touching on them rocks, baby. Shoot, I ain't done push-ups in 10 years. I broke somebody's finger. I got prideful all of a sudden. So she goes to the swing and I go back in the house. Lord, you need to straighten that woman out. She poked me in the chest, Lord. Told you she's got anger issues. Take care of that woman, Lord. And I don't remember how long it took, but we came back together and she said, you know what? She said, I got an issue. She said, when we fight, I, I, just, I need some space. And I'm sorry for poking you in the chest, but you was in my space. And I took a mental note. Next time, <laughs> give her the space because it might not be the chest. <laughs> 
The Bible says to be wise. I'll make mental notes. We fight, I'm on the other side of the bed. We fight, I'm on the other side. No, I'm just joking. But I did take a mental note that, you know what, next time we have a disagreement, next time we're arguing about something, I need to give her a little space. I don't need to get up in her business. I need to give her a chance to breathe. You know what's funny about marriage is we've been married almost 20 years now, and we're starting to swap roles. It's the craziest thing. Anybody ever see, anybody been married for a while and ever see that, where you start to swap roles? Where you start acting like her and she starts acting like you? When you're fighting, I'm talking about, not all the time. Yeah, okay, we're weird. But some of you need to learn how to shut up, and some of you need to learn how to speak up. You need to stop bottling that stuff up. You need to learn how to communicate. You need to learn how to express what's on your heart. God gave you a mouth to let stuff out as well as put stuff in. Are you with me? And your heart only has so much capacity. And your emotions can only handle so much until they burst. Don't stretch them to the point of bursting. Get it out. Talk about it. Create an environment where you can have a a conversation. Amen? Maybe you need to start asking questions. When they come to you and say, you're not doing this and you're not doing that, maybe you need to say, okay, well, well, help me understand that. We get that right every now and then. We'll go, okay. I don't want to fight. Help me understand what, what am I doing that's frustrating you? Or what am I not doing that's frustrating? Or what am I, what, what should I be doing to help? You follow what I'm saying? Deal with it before it gets too bad. Number, uh, let me give you this in Proverbs chapter 10. Too much talk leads to sin. Let's just sit there for a minute. I think one of the secrets in marriage is learning when to keep your mouth shut and when to open it up. The Bible says to, at the end of that verse, it says to be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Don't quote that verse when you're fighting. It's not a good idea. The Bible says to shut up. Oh yeah, where? Somewhere is in Proverbs. It don't work. Tried it. Number two, guard my words faithfully. Proverbs has a ton of verses on your words and how they should be used for good. Here's one of them. Proverbs 12, 18 says that some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks, the kinds that the kind that cut people open. You see, I was good at that. I was good about saying something stupid to somebody and cutting them wide open and leave them bleeding. I could cut Cheryl with my words. I knew what buttons to push. I knew what words to say. You with me? But a wise man's words bring healing. You make the choice of what your words do. You decide that. Am I going to bring healing or am I going to bring destruction? Right? So you need to guard your words faithfully. Here's two questions you can ask when you're getting ready to explode. Uh, Should it be said? And should it be said now? It helps. Trust me. Some things don't need to be said, but some things do. So let me give you, let me give you a couple of tips here. Something you can maybe ask your spouse, ask this question every now and then say, Hey, what can I, what can I keep doing? You know what, ladies, I'm, I'm just going to give it to you straight. Some, all of us guys, we need help. We do. We're men. We're thinking about building something, destroying something, killing something, eating something. We're not thinking about your emotions. We're not thinking about your feelings. We just want to see something die and bleed. And so we can cut it open and eat it and, you know, maybe ride something or catch it. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way we are. That's where our minds are. I'm trying to help you out. Okay. Sometimes you need to help us. So, so how can you ladies help us men when we get it right? Tell us we got it right. It's like training the dog. When the dog don't pee in the house, he says, it's a good boy. And you give him what? A treat. Right? Give me a treat. If I get it right, give me a Snickers. I'll get it right every day. Come on, somebody. Right? We need a little help. Tell us when we got it right. 
Tell us what we can stop doing. I learned a long time ago, don't scare Cheryl. You scare Cheryl, she's going to hit you. Seriously. Or maybe you need to help us with what we can start doing. Okay? That comes to a conversation. And listen, you need to work on that when you're not fighting. Here's another secret to marriage. You need to be working on your marriage when everything's good. You see, we think just because we're not fighting that everything's good. That's the way us guys think. I don't know about you women, but that's the way us guys think. If we're not fighting, I'm all good. If she's not mad at me, I'm Mr. Wonderful. When I need to be working on my marriage, when we're not fighting, when there's not conflict. Come on, somebody. You need to work on it then. Don't wait till the next fight. Don't go from fight to fight. Work on it when you're not fighting. So let me give you a few rules for for fighting well. (laughs) Never thought I'd preach this in church. Here's a few rules for fighting well. We're going to teach you how to fight well. The first one, never call names. Never call each other names. Never raise your voice. Man, if you're like me, you gotta you might have a hard time with this because when I get when I get emotional, I get loud, I get red in the face, and these veins come out. You know, and one of the curses of being bald is they can see your veins in your head. And so when we're starting to have a discussion, if I get a little elevated, I look like I'm like Rawr! And I'm, on the inside, I'm just going, I would literally like to do this. But it looks like, ah! You get that? Some of you might be like that. I don't know. Pray for me. But never raise your voice. Here's the next one. Never get historical. Cheryl and I have always had this thing. <laughs> when we fight, it's, it's funny now, but it ain't funny when it happens. And when we're fighting, if I'll, if I'll bring up something about her past, well, you've always been this way. She'll go, only the devil will remind me of my past. You know what she just did? She just called me the devil. Right? But listen to me. Who's constantly trying to remind you of your past failures? The enemy is. He's trying to remind you of every time you failed. Every time you got it wrong, every time you made a stupid decision, every time you did something dumb. We don't need to remind each other of our past. Leave the past where the past is because Jesus doesn't remind you of your past. It's been washed away. Your sin's gone. He can't remember it anymore. We need to be that way with one another. Right? Don't bring up the past. Let's talk about the here and now. So that we can get to the then and there. Are you with me? Let's deal with the here and now. Never use the words never and always. Never threaten divorce. I'm, I'm glad that I can do this. I'm glad that I can stand before you today and say this, that I've never used that word. In almost 20 years, I've never, we've never used that word divorce. And let me tell you something about that. I feel real strong about this. When you use the D word, you don't know what you're opening up. You don't know what gate you just opened up when you use the divorce word. Maybe you say, well, you know, maybe we just need to get a divorce. When you said that word, you opened up something in the supernatural that's going to come after you and haunt you. If I use that word on Cheryl, you know what that does? That opens up the door that I've I've worked so hard to keep closed. It opens up that door and it comes and the devil comes to her and he starts whispering in her ear. Oh, he said the D word. That means, oh, that's it. Maybe, maybe he starts saying, you know what? You need to start shopping around. Maybe you need to find somebody else. Well, you know what? You need to start pulling a little money to the side for when he does do that. You need to start making plans for the divorce. That's what the enemy's going to do. So here's the secret. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. Don't use the word. Dear goodness, you made a covenant before God that we're going to do this thing till death do us part. And even when we want to kill each other.
Don't use the word. Thank God he don't use the word. Thank God the, 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 the groomsmen, thank God that Jesus isn't using that word on his bride right now. Think if Jesus would say that. Think if he would say, you know what, if you don't get straight, we're going to divorce. How would you feel? How would you feel if Jesus said, you know what, I had enough, I'm done. Never use the word. And here's the one I'm more passionate about than that one. Never use your pastor. Never quote your pastor when you're fighting with your wife. No, I'm serious. Well, Pastor Jamie said, he said you was going to act like this. He said you was going to do this. Don't use me. I'm not in that. I got my own. You dug that ditch. You stay stuck in it. I'm not. Never quote your pastor. (laughs) Amen. You getting somewhere with this? Come on, listen to me. You might have used the divorce word in the past, but you know what? You can quit today. You can, you can set a, a stamp on the ground. You can, you can put an anchor in the ground. You says, you know what? I don't care what, come, what happens, what comes our way. I'm not going to use that word. I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm going to start today. I'm not going to use them words again. You know what that does? That changes your attitude and it changes your perspective. And it puts you in a position where there is no end. There is no way out. I'm in this thing, baby. I'm sticking with you for the long haul. Right? It's a change of perspective. It's a change of attitude. It gives you victory. It gives you a backbone to keep on fighting and to keep on going and to not give up. When the whole time the enemy's going, oh, they'll never change. You've been dealing with this for so many years. They'll never change. You just soon get used to it or I'll go find you a new one because they're never going to change. The Bible says if you resist the enemy, he'll flee from you. If you refuse to say words like that and refuse to let your marriage come to an end, you're resisting the enemy and he's going to flee. Some of you need to take a stand today and say, you know what, devil? She ain't what she's supposed to be, but she's on her way. Or maybe you need to say, you know what, he's not what he's supposed to be, but he's on his way. So you need to shut up and get out of here because I'm not leaving. Some of you need to make that commitment today. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving here till Jesus comes back or I go to meet him. I'm not leaving. Take that stand. Make that commitment. Stand before God. I'm not leaving. And you know what happens? The cloud of witnesses in heaven, they start jumping up, chest bumping, fist bump. Woo! This one's on fire. He's not quitting. You got a cloud of witnesses pulling for you. When you make that kind of commitment, you got the power of the Holy Ghost coming in behind you and breathing on you. And grace is flowing out over your marriage. Number three, let me try to finish this up. Number three, handle my anger righteously. You got to realize there's some things that just ain't worth fighting over. You with me? It's just not worth fighting over. I mean, if the dog pukes in the house, don't fight over that. Right? If the kids are sick, don't fight over that. Some things just aren't worth fighting over. Come on, you need to pray through that. God, what what am I fighting about that I shouldn't be fighting about? Look at what Ephesians says. Number three, handle my anger righteously. Ephesians 4.26 says this. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger, watch this. You got to get this. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. In mixed martial arts or in jujitsu, some of those fighting sports, one of the secrets is if you can get the opponent in a foothold, you can make them submit. So a lot of these guys, they know these little holes. They can get you by the foot and they'll have you screaming, crying and begging for mercy just with a foothold. The Bible says, don't let anger control you. Don't sin by letting anger control you. It didn't say you can't be angry because you got to remember Jesus was angry yet did not sin. When anger controls you, it leads you into sin. Come on, somebody. 
right? Don't let the sun go down on your issues. I learned this lesson a couple years ago that if I'm fighting with Cheryl, everything else in the world stops. Job stops. Ministry stops. Sports stops. Hobbies stop. Why? Why do they stop? Because this is the second most important relationship I got in the world. If I leave my wife and we're fighting and I leave her to go fishing, I'm a punk. Seriously, because you know what I just said to her? That stupid big mouth bass is more important than your good looking wife. That's what I just said to her, that you don't mean nothing to me. Our relationship means nothing more than fishing. You got to get this. If you're having a disagreement, you need to stop the world and fix it. That's what the, that's what Ephesians is saying. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let it go down. Deal with it today. Amen. Deal with it today. When you let anger control you, that's when it becomes sin. It's my boy. Well, he's not my boy, but don't go to bed mad. Don't go to bed with unresolved issues. Because you know what happens at night? We fight the dirtiest at night, don't we? You know why we fight dirtiest at night? Because you put tired on top of everything else. Right? So you know how it is. You get into bed and you got unresolved issues and you think you're going to sleep it off. Ha! You ain't sleeping. You just soon, before you get in your pajamas, you just soon go into the next room where the kids came here and hash it out because you're not going to sleep. Because you know what happens? You get in the bed and what is it? Back-to-back warfare. Right? You turn your back to her back. And maybe one of you is the huffer. And you turn over. And I go, okay, you're mad. And then what's, this is what's crazy. I go, are you upset? No. <laughs> Isn't that the stupidest thing in the world? It's, it's like you got to warm up to get into a fight. You say, like, are you mad? No. I know you're mad. No, I'm not. Or maybe you're the silent type like me, and you, you just lay on your side, and you're stiff as a board. See, Cheryl and I always go to sleep on our right side, and I hold her. That's how we go to sleep. Now, by the morning time, ain't no telling what's happened, but that's how we go to bed. I really can't fall asleep in any other position. So an indicator for her is, is if I'm not holding her, she goes, what's wrong? Nothing. I know something's wrong. It's either my back's out. I got indigestion. Or I'm mad. Right? Three things. She knows most times it's mad because I'm the stiff guy in the bed, right? And then you know what happens is when you're mad at your mate, you don't let your foot cross the enemy line, right? Oh, you don't dare touch. Oh, no. I'll be dead. Oh, I know she didn't touch me. She knows I'm mad, and she touched me anyway, right? Isn't it crazy? I mean, you lay in the bed, and you're like. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I just put my foot over there just to see what's going to happen See if I can get it back. (laughs) You know why it's important to pray with each other? (sighs) Because when you have differences, it makes you work them out. People that pray together stay together. There's nothing more awkward than being mad at somebody and praying for them with a good heart. <laughs> right? I mean, I pray for you. Lord, take this sucker out. <laughs> Lord, they need to go see you. They're done here. I don't want them anymore. It's hard to fight when you're praying for somebody. Some of you fight for the silliest things. You know what's crazy is a lot of times we start fights because of what's going on inside of us. 
A lot of times I get frustrated if something doesn't go the way I expect it to go. I get frustrated. And I get this, or maybe I'm disappointed in myself. And I get upset and I get mad. And you know what I do? I let that carry on to Cheryl. Because I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Right? That's not right for her. That's not fair for her if I come in the house with this storm brewing inside of me. And I just come in like a tornado and just tear the whole house apart. That's not fair to anybody else. Right? It's important that I stay in a healthy relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit so that I can can deal with my stuff. Because you see, I'm responsible for my stuff. My stuff isn't her fault. It's not her fault. It's my stuff. And I tell people all the time, if you'll work on your stuff and stop worrying about their stuff, this marriage will turn around in a heartbeat. If I'll take responsibility for me, my dibs in the marriage, when we fight and this junk comes out of me, if I won't just leave it there, if I'll take it and bring it to the cross and place it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, evidently I had a dark corner in my heart and this needs to be dealt with. Lord, I didn't, I must not have crucified this. I must have never submitted this area of my life to you. Lord, help me. If I'll do that, she'll do that for her. You see, the, the, the reality is, is that somebody has to be big enough to change. Somebody has to be big enough sooner or later to take responsibility for themselves. And listen, that ain't just with marriage. That's with any relationship. Friendships, co-workers, you name it. Fight for one another, not against one another. That's the purpose here today. You're going to fight. You're going to fight. You're going to have differences. You're going to get frustrated with one another. There's things that aggravate you about your spouse. And there's things that aggravate them about you. Right? You're going to fight. Just do it well. You got to set a standard to not let the enemy come in. You can't give him that foothold. Too many times we, he, he convinces us that she's the enemy and I got to tear her down. That's not true. Because that opens the door for him. Here, let me give you these last four things. These are going to go quick. Don't freak out. <clears throat> four signs that you're not fighting fair. Here they are. There's criticizing involved. These are signs that you're not fighting fair. So if you're sitting here today and you're wondering, well, I wonder if we're fighting fair. Here you go. Is there criticizing involved? Complaining sounds like this. You told me you were going to do this and you didn't. Criticizing is this. You never do what you say you're going to do. There's a difference. Are you criticizing? Are you criticizing your spouse in front of other people? I think I just stepped on a bomb. Listen to me. I want to make this very clear. What goes on in your marriage stays in your marriage. If you need help, you go up. You go see a pastor. You go see a counselor. First, you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus before you go to anybody else. You go up with your stuff. You never get on the phone and talk about your spouse to your friends. Because all you're going to get is a cheerleading squad. All you're going to get is a bunch of people that don't love you enough to tell you the truth about yourself. And you're going to get your little amen crowd. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, girl. I told you about him a long time ago. I told you he's going to be. You don't need that. Sorry. Hands on my hips. I don't know what's going on. Listen to me. If you're criticizing your spouse in front of other people, you need to stop. Today, you need to stop. It's nobody else's business. You bring it up. Amen. You bring it up. Nobody else needs to know your business. Because you know why? When you put your business on the street, it gets run over. Time and time again. So there's criticizing involved. Here's a second sign. There's contempt. There's disgust. 
your eyes, you start rolling your eyes. Sarcasm starts becoming your main focus. And and they get on your nerves and you get to where you can't stand to be around them. When they smack their gun. That's not because they're smacking their gun. It's because you got something else that you haven't dealt with. Right? Because you're not fighting fair. Number three, there's defensiveness. It's always her fault. Always her fault. If she would do this or if he would do that, it's always the other person's fault. How's that working for you? Pointing a finger at somebody else when there's four more pointing back at you. There's defensiveness. Spend all your time talking about their faults. What are you doing to change it? By the way, are you praying for them? Ladies, are you praying for your man? When he leaves to go to work in the morning, are you praying for him? Are you praying protection over him? Are you praying wisdom over him? Are you praying power over him? And by the way, men, are you praying for your women before you leave the house? Praying for your kids? If you're not praying for each other, then you're leaving each other with no defenses. You're walking into a battlefield naked. So number four, they're stonewalling. Boy, this is dangerous. If you find yourself there today, I just want to say something to you. You need to get some help. You're stonewalling. You know what that means? That means I've come to the place where I've built this wall. I built this wall and there's something between us and I'm agreeing to stay on my side of the wall. I'm listening to the enemy say they're never going to change. They're going to always be that way. It'll never be different. It can't be great. It can't be this. The enemy's saying all those things and you're just, you're saying, okay, I'm stonewall. I'm just going to stay on my side of the wall. This is the way it's always going to be. I just soon get used to it. I'm 50 years old now. She'll, she'll never change. I'm 65. She's, she's you're stonewalling. If that's where you're at today, listen to me. You need some help. Can I just be real with you? You need some help. Not only are you not fighting well, but you're unhealthy. We should never, ever give up on one another. Never give up on one another. When you give up on the other person, you're saying to God that you don't have, you're not strong enough to change them. You're not powerful enough to give us a great marriage. Amen?